So did you see that uh, national championship game on a Monday night? Texas fans, you got to be fired up, right? I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly. Part of heartlandcollegesports.com. You're independent. Big 12 digital media outlet. It's great to be here with you for another week. We put a bow on the college football season after Alabama crushed Ohio State for another national championship under Nick Saban. And uh, if you're a, frankly, not just Texas fan, but Big 12 fan, I don't know if you saw the report. We had it up at heartlandcollegesports.com. Joel Klatt, Joel Klatt told Colin Cowherd on The Herd that Steve Sarkeesian had an agreement to succeed Nick Saban at Alabama. And that instead, of course, he took this Texas job. Klatt told Cowherd on Monday, quote, Alabama and Saban did have an agreement, whether it was on paper or a handshake, with Steve Sarkeesian to be the heir apparent to Nick Saban. That is true. And Steve took the Texas job. More power to him. That's a job that's hard to turn down. In particular, when you think of coming in the footsteps of Nick Saban. Now, here's the problem, of course, and I get you never want to be the guy to follow the guy. Right? That's, that's an old saying in every line of work. You don't want to be the guy to follow the guy. You would have been following the guy at Alabama and Nick Saban. Now, in fairness, Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley followed the guy in Bob Stoops. Ryan Day followed the guy in Urban Meyer at Ohio State. So, actually, it's been done in college. If the infrastructure is in place, you've got the right people as well to take over You don't have to miss a beat. Oklahoma and Ohio State are proving that. But Nick Saban obviously is next level. Like, that's that's just next level, not wanting to be the guy to replace the guy. But either way, this this makes me feel better about the Steve Sarkeesian hire. I mean, I I told you and I've talked about some of my concerns um, with the way Texas played this year. I thought both coordinators did a solid job. I thought Ash was better than Yurcich, all things considered. First-year coordinators in a COVID year is a tough spot for them. They lost, what, three games by 14 points. Um, But with Steve Sarkeesian and the fact that Nick Saban thought this guy was worthy of being his successor, I admit that changes the game for me. And if, and hopefully for Texas fans and Big 12 fans for that matter, when I'm wrong, I will admit it. I was tough on this hire out of the gates. I was confused by the hire out of the gates for a guy who's got a 45 or 46 and 35 career coaching record. I didn't quite get why you would totally turn course, but the more people I talk to around Texas, uh, the disenfranchisement in many ways with Tom Herman, I started to understand it. And now when you see first off the fact that Nick Saban said he could be his heir apparent or was open to him being his heir apparent or was basically agreed to be his heir apparent, on top of the game that he called. Now, I know it helps when he got uh, Mac Jones, Devonta Smith, Najee Harris. I know it helps when he got those guys. But still, Steve Sarkeesian called a beautiful game. Beautiful game as Alabama's offensive coordinator in that national championship on Monday. It was awesome and really fun to watch. And I only watched the first half. The game was basically over by then. But those two things got me excited for this Steve Sarkeesian era with the Texas Longhorns. And that is something I will be absolutely watching closely and following here in the offseason what spring practice looks like, what the staff looks like, and um, what that means moving forward. But I, I have started to change my tune based on some new information. Like, I'm not one of those guys 
where my opinion is X and it will be X forever. Now, I think like what's smart oftentimes to do is your opinion can be X, but if you get, let's say, new information, it can change to opinion Y or opinion Z. Like you should have differing opinions when you get more and new information and you get new facts. Like your opinion should change. It's it's a weird, and I do a, a talk show host, a daily talk show up in uh, Kansas City. So trust me, I, I know this all too well, where it's like guys are like, this is my opinion. It will not change no matter what happens. Well, it kind of should. <laughs> like if you're being intellectually honest with yourself, it kind of should. So that's where uh, we're at right now with that. But watching that national championship game on Monday, I was, I was pretty excited by it. I really was. And I was pumped to see what Sarkeesian can do at the next level. Now I want to spend a few minutes on the uh, basketball side of things. And we'll talk to Matthew Postens here coming up shortly. Of course, he's our Big 12 basketball insider. Does a great job covering this conference top to bottom. Uh, you know, I'm more of a football guy than the basketball guy. That's just my thing. I always will be. And I'll always uh, focus on football, of course. That's just my bread and butter. But we talk basketball every week during the season. So we'll keep doing that, of course. But. This year for the Big 12, I mean, this is going to be so much fun. You got Oklahoma State with Cade Cunningham beating the Kansas Jayhawks on Tuesday night. A couple of games have been canceled that week, this week. That's frustrating. But this conference top to bottom is so much fun. Think about this. Outside of really Kansas State and Iowa State, can you basically make a case for any team beating any other team on a given night? I mean, TCU hung in with Baylor in the first half. Baylor then blew them out. But still, you can make a case for any of these teams having success against anybody else in the conference on any given night. I mean, that is a really good place for this conference to be. And it's similar to what you have in football, right? Outside of Kansas and arguably Texas Tech, you've got a situation where any given Saturday, a team can beat a team in this conference. You cannot say that about any other conference in America, at least not with the depth that the Big 12 can. And that's why having the 10 teams, having the double round robin, it's tough to get yourself out of the basement. That's the thing. Whether it's Kansas football, uh, it's a little bit easier in basketball because you get one or two good guys. You get two decent recruiting classes. You build them up three, four years. You can turn things around. Football, it's much more difficult. But that's why it's, it's tough to get out of the basement in this conference. And you just think about, you know, what's already happened this year. And it was kind of capped off with Katie Cunningham and Oklahoma State beating Kansas on Tuesday. And the reality, too, is like Oklahoma State may have a number one overall draft pick or a top three, four, five draft pick. And Oklahoma State could finish bottom five in the conference, despite it's not just Cade Cunningham. They got a good recruiting class. They got a solid team. And they may not finish top half in the conference. Like that is uh, darn impressive. Darn impressive when you look at it. And then you just say, okay, what do we have this weekend? Like what is our slate? What are we looking at? Well, Texas Tech taking on Baylor. Can Tech get a signature win? You know, um, a young Kansas State team taking on a Texas team that looks like it's a Final Four contender. You've got Bedlam, both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State trying to justify why they are a top half team in this conference and a tournament team, which I believe both can be and both are. Big Monday next week is Kansas-Baylor. That'll be a top, depending on where Kansas drops, top 
15 matchup probably, maybe top 20, but whatever. Um, and you just go through each and every week, and you can find a great storyline in each of these games, which is the same thing that you can do in Big 12 football. I love it. And obviously, we're all hopeful that uh, the end is near when we talk about COVID-19 because I'm already thinking, I don't know about you, and as I mentioned, I'm up here in Kansas City, but I'm already thinking about that Big 12 tournament because I was here the day it was canceled. I was planning to go cover some games the day it was canceled due to COVID. It was that Thursday. And if you recall, Texas and Texas Tech found themselves uh, on the floor warming up for the game. And then what happened? Well, you had a situation where they basically called the teams off the floor and they canceled the Big 12 tournament. And that is uh, something that, you know, is going to go down in history, obviously, just because of what was going on in the time, what happened in this country and where things went from here. The next day, I'm sitting in the Power and Light District in Kansas City where the Big 12 tournament takes place. And it's a ghost town. And I'm sitting with our guy, Matthew Post, and we're at a bar. And we're having a a few drinks because we're both like, oh, my gosh, what's the world going to look like? What are we doing here? The Big 12 tournament's done. The NCAA tournament's done. We're depressed. This stinks. And it would be great if the Big 12 tournament could kind of be the renewal, renewal of college basketball, of at least Big 12 basketball, where I'm not expecting a packed sprint center, although it's now the T-Mobile Center in downtown Kansas City. But if we could get some fans in there, I mean, 25% capacity, Kansas City's allowing Chiefs fans in the Arrowhead Stadium at 20% capacity, whatever it might be. If we could get that done, That would be a great way to cap off the Big 12 season. And then roll into the NCAA tournament, which is going to be basically in a bubble in the state of Indiana. But I'd be be pretty pumped about that. So that's just how I'm thinking. I think it'd be a great way to kind of put a bow on an exciting, exciting Big 12 basketball season that's going to be an awesome, awesome couple of months to follow. And we'll be here for you following it the whole way. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. Let's talk. Some Big 12 hoops with our guy, Matthew Postens. And before we get to him, just a reminder, leave us a rating and a review on that uh, podcast. That helps us tremendously keep growing this show. And that's why we've got free Heartland College Sports koozies that we put in the mail for you. When you leave me a rating and a review on this show and send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And I will get that koozie in the mail for you when you send us a screenshot of that rating and review. Thanks so much for doing that, guys. Well, let's welcome on and talk some Big 12 basketball with Matthew Poston. on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Matthew, of course, our Big 12 basketball insider here on the show. All right, Matthew, uh, big game this week and big surprise this week, and that was Oklahoma State taking down Kansas. How much did this one catch you off guard? Uh, a little bit, you know, especially as I was watching that game. You know, Oklahoma State had a 16-point lead at one point, and then Kansas, of course, came back because it's the Big 12 and everybody comes back at some point. And they ended up taking the lead at one point. And I started thinking to myself, man, eight days ago, they were in this position against West Virginia. They blew a 19-point lead, and they ended up losing the game. But 
The difference is Oklahoma State found a way to make a big defensive play, get a layup from Rondell Walker late. Uh, they made a couple of key baskets and played some good defense down the stretch to actually win that game by five points. So if you think about the going from eight days from that low of losing a 19-point lead to the Mountaineers and losing at home to having a 16-point lead on the Jayhawks and losing that lead, but finding a way to win that game, that shows you the growth that Mike Boynton is building in Stillwater with this program right now. Well, that's that's where I want to go. Does this does this game tell you more about what Oklahoma State can be or or maybe Kansas not being as good as we thought? Which side do you lie on there? I, I'm, I'm more on the Oklahoma State side because I, I think we know what Kansas is, and I think the emergence of David McCormick is really going to help them get better over the next month or two. He's giving them something inside that he wasn't doing a month ago, and I think that really is going to help settle their uh, offensive issues, the biggest of which right now is they've got to become a better three-point shooting team. But for Oklahoma State, you know, Cade Cunningham casts a very big shadow on this program right now because he's this true freshman who many believe is going to be the number one pick in the draft in 2021. You have Isaac Likely, who has NBA aspirations of his own and has had a terrific season. And then you have all these young pieces around these two guys. And mm-hmm. if you think about the scenario where Cunningham and Likely may not be there next year, this is a really big win for the entire program because, you know, the Boone brothers, Rondell Walker, you know, Bryce Williams, all these guys are coming back next year and they're going to be more relied upon, Avery Anderson the third. And if if they're able to if they're able to build on that, get into the NCAA tournament as long as the appeal is still uh, pending. Uh, then I, I think it really helps them build on what Mike Boynton has been trying to build on the last couple of years, which has been really good recruiting, taking in the occasional transfer, and and really starting to build this program back to where he wants it to be. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. He's Matthew Postens. He's talking some Big 12 basketball with us in Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. All right, so as you uh, look around this conference, first off, We've got to blame you, Matthew. You wrote a piece over the weekend saying the Big 12 has gotten lucky with COVID, and we got, what, three or four games canceled this week? So what did you do to us here? I, I was thinking to myself, I was looking at the NCAA page, and they, they keep a, a rolling track of all postponements and cancellations and things like that. And it's all Big East and SEC and ACC and all these other schools. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, the Big 12 had one game postponed, and that was the Texas uh, Baylor game at the beginning of uh, the conference slate. I'm like, well, you know, this they're they're obviously managing things, and then all of a sudden, they're not. You know, Oklahoma has Brady Manick and and Jalen Hill missed the past couple of games due to contact tracing. I'm assuming for COVID, they haven't. They don't really say why they're missing. Just they call it COVID protocols. So we don't know if they actually have it or if they were contact traced into isolation. Then of course, West Virginia has a COVID problem, and they postpone a couple of games. And then uh, Kansas State has a COVID problem, and they postpone a game. Uh, and then you you have to start watching, you know, you know, watching the teams they played previously. So like Kansas State played Oklahoma State, so you got to start watching Oklahoma State now. And then West Virginia previously played Texas, so you've got to watch what Texas is doing now. So, you know, these things are going to happen when you're playing college sports during a pandemic. Uh, and you know, the big 12 built that 12 day buffer at the end of the season for a reason. But, you know, when you consider the fact that now we're looking at four postponements, now we're starting to get into that 
that idea of are all these games going to get played because we may get to a point in the conference season where they could be played, but does it really matter for them to be played if it's not going to impact the standings in the conference going into the Big 12 tournament? Yeah, that's a uh, very, very good point. Uh, Matthew, some big news in the past few days. Oscar Toshibwe for West Virginia transferring to Kentucky. Bob Huggins, not happy about it, alluded to maybe uh, some people looking for profit were his words in that decision. This is a guy who, you know, tested the NBA waters last year, really good big man. Uh, I think he was a perfect fit for Morgantown in West Virginia. He's now going to Kentucky and John Calipari. Uh, clearly, Huggins feels stung by this thing. How do you read it? Uh, clearly clearly stung by it. And when you consider all the things that are swirling around college athletics right now, specifically with name, image, and likeness, and with uh, the opportunity for players potentially to, you know, make money off of their, their image, their likeness, their persona in college sports. Um, and then the, the blanket transfer rule that the NCAA is recommending that they implement at some point. Um, both of those votes have been pushed back, by the way. The NCAA is not ready for that because they want the they want the Congress to legislate that, even though they can do that themselves very easily. Um, you know, I, I think uh, there's going to be more of this. You know, unfortunately, uh, if you if you buy into that narrative of NIL being a bad thing, then yeah, there will be more of this sort of transferring going around. Uh, you know, it felt like to me like, you know, Shibway was just in a slump, you know, and, and that happens in college sports. You know, David McCormick at Kansas started the season in a slump. Uh, and now he's playing some of the best basketball that he's ever played at Kansas. You know, these things are pretty cyclical. But, um, you know, he, I, I don't know if he got impatient or if he got bad advice or just didn't want to be there anymore. Uh, but, you know, John Calipari does have a very good reputation of dealing with players who want to go to the NBA one day and, and usually after only being at Kentucky a year. So that may end up being the best location for him. And when you look at the way West Virginia has played since Shibway left, it might have been the best decision for everybody. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Matthew Poston's joining us here on the show. Heartland College Sports Weekly, heartlandcollegesports.com is uh, the site. So, you know, Matthew, last week uh, before we talked, that was obviously prior to Texas getting that win over West Virginia. Uh, the Andrew Jones game-winning three-pointer capped it off. Are we now, I mean, you know, the Joe Lenardi bracketology has him as a one seed. Are we at the point here where we're looking at two Big 12 teams on that one line and basically either Baylor or Texas would have to fall apart uh, to to not get those two slots or two of those four slots? Uh, you know, I think that's kind of what we were looking at last year. I think a lot of folks considered Kansas and Baylor to be one seeds going into the Big 12 tournament. And I think you know, based on what I was seeing, uh, it, it didn't really seem like that was going to, you know, whatever happened in the tournament was going to dissuade anybody from that being the case. You know, the way Baylor and Texas are playing right now, uh, they feel like one seeds no matter what. A uh, lot of real estate left in the conference season, and then we still got the Big 12 tournament to go through. Uh, but the way they're playing, if they continue to play like this, I, I feel very confident they would both be number one seeds because the way they're playing, I see them splitting their their games with one another. They're probably going to split with Kansas because Kansas is good enough to beat them, and they'll probably have one weird game that they lose at some point, uh, you know, in, in conference. So um, I feel like right now, they're, the way they're tracking, the way they're playing, they both absolutely could be number one seeds. 
Yeah, it's going to be really fun to follow. Uh, Matthew, we got a minute or so left here. So take me through uh, this weekend. It's a solid slate of games here. Uh, which is the one that you're most intrigued by? Is it the obvious Baylor, Texas Tech, or is there something else, Bedlam, that you, you think people need to watch? Um, you know, I think Bedlam will be fun because I think both of those teams are very evenly matched. Yeah. I, I think the Baylor-Texas Tech game is the one that you really want to pay attention to uh, just because, you know, Texas Tech, um, you know, they're, they're a team right now that I think Chris Beard has finally kind of figured out who his eight guys are. And if you've watched them the last couple of games, they put up some really good offensive numbers. And uh, I think Terrence Shannon coming off the bench is a is a great thing for this team because I think he's really kind of stabilized their second unit. Um, and, and them playing a, a Baylor team that just has, to me, the best array of guards in the entire country. Uh, they can beat you a lot of different ways. And I'm going to be interested to see how Tech defends them because Tech has good defenders and they have a good overall defensive scheme, but when you when you're rolling five different guards out there at various times, that's going to make defending them difficult for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Matthew Poston's always great to get the insight and perspective on the Big 12 basketball scene. Matthew, great stuff. We'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, Pete. Final thoughts as we wrap up the show. Coming up next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. I'm Pete Mundo, and do not forget, by the way. Sign up for our message boards on the website. They are free. Just trying to build some Big 12 interaction. And in fact, you can win money. Our best posters each week get a $20 gift card. So go to heartlandcollegesports.com. Click the members forum tab at the top. Sign up for free and we'll see you there. All right, so final few minutes on the show, and something happened here during the week that I want to bring up that won't get a lot of attention, but it should. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. We cover everything Big 12 for you, top to bottom. So it was announced on a Wednesday that uh, Kansas State and its game against Stanford would be moving to Dallas-Fort Worth, to Arlington technically, and be played at AT&T Stadium as part of the uh, All-State Kickoff Classic. Now, you're a college football fan, so you know they've got these games at these neutral site locations at NFL Stadium. You know, they have them in, uh, what, Atlanta has one. Um, You know, they usually do one in Dallas, which is this All-State Sugar Bowl or All-State Uh, kickoff classic. Uh, They happen all over the country. These neutral site non-conference games made for TV and Kansas State got roped into one against Stanford. Now this game was going to take place in Manhattan next year, kicking off the season September 4th. Uh, Instead, it's going down to the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And I hate this. I hate everything about this. Not just because college football and its pageantry is best when it's on campus, which it is. That's what makes college football college football, frankly. The pageantry, the pomp and circumstance, the tailgating, the on-campus atmosphere, the students rolling out of dorms, tailgating for a bit or just going right into the stadium. That's what makes college football college football. And we're losing more of it every single year because of television and it sucks. I I will be the first one to tell you it sucks. I can't stand it, but it's even worse this year 
And this bothers me even more this year because of what's taken place the last 10 months in this country. The reality is the 2020 season, a lot of us are cheering, hooting, and hollering that a 2020 college football season took place. So great. We got the season in. It was awesome. Okay, great. But you know who's not doing that today? The restaurants, the bar owners, the hotels, the motels in these college towns who live and breathe off of oftentimes six Saturdays a year. They're not cheering because they still were crushed. If they're even still in business, they were crushed. And God willing, 2021 is going to be different. God willing, this fall we can pack college football stadiums, NFL stadiums. God willing, we can do it. Because if we can't, boy, I don't know what's next for this country, but that's a totally different story. But that Saturday was a chance for every small business in Manhattan, Kansas, which is a college town. You know, it's not like Kansas State. I mean, I know all of you know this, but it's a college town. It relies on the students, on their parents, on the faculty, and yes, on football and basketball fans to keep them in business, to keep them moving forward, to maintain and to hopefully, for their sake, grow their business every year. And these small businesses are struggling. We know that. And in many ways, this is a microcosm of what has taken place the last eight, nine, 10 months. Look out for the big guy, little guy gets screwed. That's what this is. And this is a perfect example. Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, I'm not saying there aren't businesses hurting down there, but guess what? AT&T Stadium's been, you know, been okay. They've had fans in those games, some of them for the Cowboys. They get a ton of events. It's mostly, uh, you know, chain after chain after chain around the stadium anyway. I've been down there for Big 12 Media Days, Big 12 Championships. So we're helping all them out. They're going to now get another football game. And mom and pop in Manhattan, Kansas, they don't have a shot. They already had that September 4th circled on their calendars and they don't have a shot. That's what bothers me about this. That is what just uh, makes my skin crawl because it's everything that college football used to be against. It used to represent the college town, the college athlete, the college student the local corner bar that everybody goes to before the game for a beer, line out the door. Who doesn't love it? Everybody knows the owner. Not in this case. And that that's just why this is irking me. It's not going to get a lot of attention. No one's going to really pay attention to it, but boy, it is, it is bothersome to me. It really is. Uh, Brett McMurphy over at uh, watch stadium had his top 25 for the 2021 season way too early. Top 25. How about this? He's got three Big 12 teams in his top 10. He's got Oklahoma at number four, Iowa State at number seven, and Texas at number eight. Yeah, he wrote about Texas. Texas is going to be back. That's my prediction under new coach Steve Sarkeesian, who has resurrected his career since being fired at USC. It won't hurt Sark in his debut season that Texas returns 14 starters. Sam Ellinger is gone, but leading receiver Joshua Moore will be back. That is from Brett McMurphy 
at Watch Stadium. Uh, that's the big play, but guess what? If he's right, going to look like a genius. Going to look like an absolute genius. Now, he also had Oklahoma State in this top 25 at, uh, at number 18. So, I, I, listen, I know it's a ways away, but when I see stuff like this, it already gets me excited. You know, spring ball's right around the corner. And I'll be locked into a little Big 12 uh, rerun this weekend. Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes playing in the NFL playoffs. Browns and Chiefs in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium. I am scheduled to be there. God willing, I will. And uh, I'll bring it up next week because it's, uh, you know, it's fun to see that Big 12 blood go back and forth. Reminds me of that 2016 matchup between these two guys. When there were, what, like 1,500 combined yards between Oklahoma and uh, Texas Tech in that October 22nd, 2016 game. Oklahoma winning at 66-59 to in Lubbock. Mahomes threw for 734 yards. Yeah, Mike Stoops was still running that defense. That's why. All right, I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is, is the site. You guys have a great rest of your week. Don't forget, leave us a rating and a review on the podcast. It helps us so much keep growing this show more than you realize. That's why I'm sending you a free Heartland College Sports Koozie in the mail. When you leave us a screenshot of your rating and review, send me that screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We will get it right in the mail for you guys. Appreciate you, and also our forums are free. Catch them there. We'll talk to you next week on the show, heartlandcollegesports.com.